0: This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 487. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and... I have with me today Matthew, M- Mr. Matthew Marister.
1: B- big shock, right? Big shock for everyone. <laughs> You're stuck with me.
0: You know, when you started saying big shock, I was—I thought you were going to say big shot.
1: <laughs> you are a big shot. Yeah, you know me. Yeah. The uh,
0: um, old kind of Joel deal. song comes to mind. Oh, you yeah. To be a big shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: There
0: you go. Yeah, that goes back a ways. Hey, guys, welcome to the show today. Uh, today. This is our monthly news and gear reviews episode. And all of a sudden, I have video playing in the background. What the crap? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea where that came from. Okay, we'll edit that out of the, out of the audio uh, show. <laughs> I was like, what? <clears throat> Love when random tabs start playing stuff on you. <laughs> where was i <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah all right well, this is our monthly news and gear reviews episode and uh, matthew and i have some great epi- great epi- pfft, now i can't even talk <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna have to take over man Damn you news website you people for auto playing videos He's when impaired. i don't I, I think there should be a law against automatically playing videos like, yeah. seriously, it's like it—it it, it is the most annoying thing I think ever. But anyway, anyway, welcome to our monthly news and gear reviews episode. This time we've got a couple of great stories to share with you guys, including some new gun option or pistol option releases. I, I won't say they're all new pistols because they're not all totally new pistols, uh, but new options coming from three major manufacturers. Kind of exciting to see. And one of those was a, a bit of a surprise to me, actually. Um, because, uh, I don't know, I just didn't know if it was a priority or not for that particular ma- manufacturer. And we'll talk about who that one is here in a little bit. A uh, couple other interesting stories, too, we'll share with you. Uh, one about micro stamping. You know, that seems to be, uh, it's always on the radar of some of the anti-gunners wanting to you know pass uh Stupid legislation, right? That uh, stuff that has been shown to not really work or work very effectively, uh, just from a physical standpoint of things. And then, of course, there's the societal, you know, like side of it. Like, does it actually benefit society? And there, that's obviously uh, doubtful as well. But we're gonna talk about that some more today. Also, an interesting story here from NPR about did record gun sales cause a spike in gun crime? So we'll get to that story. It's kind of an interesting one to look at, and some some interesting takeaways I think from that story. So, but today's episode is sponsored by the 2021 Guardian Conference in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma later this year, September 17th, 18th, and 19th. We've got a bunch of you already signed up, and we still are seeing ticket sales stream in, which is really exciting to see. Uh, we're we're getting you know along there as far as I can't tell for sure how long we'll have tickets available for the event. So, uh, guys, right now still early bird pricing available. The super early bird pricing for Guardian Nation members just went away last week, um, but the uh, early bird pricing is in effect for for everybody, Guardian Nation member or not. Um, and for those of you Guardian Nation members that missed out on the super early bird pricing, just know it it only went up fifty bucks. Uh, I know fifty bucks, fifty bucks, but Hey, it's still a really awesome steal of a deal uh the kind of quality of training that you're going to be able to participate in for three days so guys uh check out guardianconference.com that's the website find out information about the event uh we have a couple of hotels uh very close to the venue. in fact like 12 minute drive away that we we got a really great group uh discount rate with um and uh you know, there's gonna be breakfast and lunch each day provided. We're going to have a couple of special events and opportunities also for prizes and giveaways and things. Uh, in fact, I'm still working on confirming the details, but 99.9% certain we're going to have a gun that's going to be given away to one lucky attendee of the guardian conference. So guys go to guardian learn about the training event and sign up today. Also, uh, Today's episode is sponsored by our new. We just want to bring you to your attention, our new gun safety course that uh, was just recently filmed. Um, it was kind of a bit of a hole that was lacking in our online video training library. Uh, we had some other videos that kind of touched on it in various areas and places and pieces, but you know, we thought, you know what, we we really need to create just a dedicated gun safety course. So this is a free online course. And the way you access it is by logging into the members area. Uh, All you have to have is an account. Okay, So even if you're not a Guardian Nation member, you can log into your account and go to the Guardian University. That's where we have all of our uh, training videos located that you can go through um, and uh, go through those various courses online. Uh, the gun safety one is totally free, and it is available now. A link, if you would like a short link, is concealedcarry.com forward slash gun safety course. And so we'd encourage you to check that out. Or maybe, you know, if you know somebody that you think would could benefit from uh, going through a gun safety video course like this, uh, send them the link. Again, concealedcarry.com forward slash gun safety course let's get into our first story here and this one on concealed carry.com uh this uh made the rounds on social media last week i i came across it and forwarded it over to our managing editor josh who wrote up this article about the uh giffords impact network is what it's called uh this started from a twitter post or a tweet i guess is really what you call it right <laughs> <laughs> uh it started from a tweet from uh the giffords um what do they call themselves now? Like, I, I, I've seen their branding just, just focusing on Giffords. Like, that's just like, you know, it used to be like the Gifford something or other, but the uh, uh, website's Giffords.org. Okay, But uh, they have instituted this new gun Giffords Impact Network, which they're describing as a network of companies dedicated to fight gun violence and help keep communities safe. This is what I love about the anti-gunners and their strategies, Matthew, is, is we use fancy-sounding buzzwords that don't really mean anything uh, to make us feel good. And, and it, it, I'm sure people you know, get suckered into that, that, hey, you know, we got we to gotta fight against gun violence, which, by the way, I don't disagree with, right? Like, that's yeah. the problem is it, it's, it's these fancy-sounding buzzwords that everybody's like, well, that sounds like a good idea. Um, but, uh, really, really what they're all about is more gun control. Cause that's how we fight against the gun violence and make our community safer is that we need stricter gun control laws. Um, uh, by the way, I, and I, have been on the record for saying this in the, in the past, if somebody could craft, oh my gosh, another video going off, <laughs>
1: the heck i think there's a setting in google in chrome do you use chrome
0: i i do like (laughs) there's probably a plug-in or extension or something like automatically you know turn off any auto auto playing videos oh um anyway (laughs) uh where was i again
1: (laughs) if there if there is a craft uh, uh somebody could craft the law
0: oh right um uh, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm on the record in the past for saying something like this, that uh, um, if, if a law could be crafted that actually did make it harder for criminals to commit crime with guns while not imposing restrictions on law-abiding citizens, I have no problem with it, mm-hmm. right? I have no problem with that. Uh, the problem is I don't. I don't really think you can craft many, especially any new laws on top of what we already have that would, would, are really capable of doing that. And certainly the anti-gunners are incapable of doing that because we keep going to the same playbook again and again and again, like the whole micro stamping thing we're going to talk about here in a little bit. That's that is the, that is the playbook. Hey, we need micro stamping. We need wait periods on gun purchases. We need universal background checks, including, you know, private sales from, You know, close friends to close friends, even sometimes within families. Uh, We need required storage, uh, you know, gun gun storage bills with penalties included in those. Uh, And the list goes on and on. It's the same playbook, right? And it's all about hindering law-abiding citizens, not Hmm. actually fighting criminals, With guns. Mm -hmm. Now, the companies that have stepped up, as Giffords has described, and signed up for this Giffords Impact Network are Dick's Sporting Goods. Shocker. I mean, we've seen the trend with that company. Although it's pretty interesting that just a short, you know, couple years ago, they were still selling all the usual stuff, you know, rifles, semi automatic, and bolt action, both pistols, same thing, ammunition galore. Uh, all that stuff has pretty much gone away as far as Dick's concerned. Um, Tom's Shoes, Kenneth Cole, Levi Strauss Company, Lyft, Amalgamated Bank, Maserofin, I don't even know what that is, uh, Northwell Health, and Postmates. These are part of the new Giffords Impact Network.
1: Yeah. That Masero Fin is, uh, it's Masero Finance. It's a, uh, ah. yeah, it's, a, it's a, like a, a banking type thing, I guess. Um, okay. Yeah.
0: But, but, it, but, but now I, I, I kind of discounted that. However, you know, we've covered in the past stories about uh, banks and other financial institutions that are, you know, that the, there are people out there that want, to restrict gun rights through the financial system. Mm-hmm. And that is definitely a concern.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's part of the, 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 so the, the four prong, I guess, uh, point of this impact network. This is, this is the, these are the four major, you know, uh, ideas. They want to help companies engage on gun safety at the federal state and local level. That's your, um, You know, petitioning governments and for legal laws and and all this uh, drafting comments for the record to weigh in on gun safety and all that stuff. Right. So that's the typical playbook there. Um, Train employees at impact network companies. So what they want to do is take all the companies that join into this impact network and train their employees, including uh, gun safety policy, organizing and advocacy training. Um, and lessons on firearm safety practices like safe storage, like you mentioned, or how to petition for an extreme risk protection order. OK, so that's what they want to they want to add that into your, you know, employee training package um, is how to petition for extreme risk protective orders and things like that. Um, the, the third prong is work with companies on core business issues related to gun safety to help ensure products and corporate policies are designed with gun violence prevention in mind. Not sure how Levi Strauss is ensuring products and corporate policies designed with gun violence. I don't don't know. I know they banned, you know, guns on, on their, in their stores and stuff like that, but maybe they don't make, you know, pockets that you can put a pocket holster in. I, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe Levi's can figure that out. Um, and then finally host impact network summits to convene companies. All right. Get all these companies together. Survivors, young advocates, local nonprofits and elected leaders to promote evidence based initiatives, unveil new research and build new partnerships for future efforts. It looks like a big you know, hey, let's get together and pat ourselves on the back and talk about all these big ideas that we have and mm-hmm. um, how we're changing the world. So yeah. Um, it looks like a bunch of, you know, let's weigh in on legal stuff as best we can. Okay. And, and, and let's try to indoctrinate as many people, you know, that we can. So
0: this is the next phase of the gun control efforts is to attack it through the through private industry, through private mm-hmm. corporations and businesses. Uh, and, and, and you know, that, that's the thing. That, like, that's this is just evidence of how dedicated and how mm, likely to, I, I hate to say this, but how likely to succeed these people are at getting more gun control in this country. Because those of us on the pro-gun side, we're, I'm sorry, we're not as innovative as the anti-gunners are where it comes to the stuff. We aren't. And, and that's part of because like status quo status quo like it's 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 hard to look outside yourself, think outside the box and, and be concerned about doing anything when you know it's pretty easy just to maintain the status quo. Mm-hmm. So the status quo is always at risk of being changed. Mm-hmm. and the anti-gunners are constantly looking for ways, new strategies and methods for coming after our rights. Yeah, and and they, it's a shotgun approach. It's on all kinds of levels, right? Through tradi- more traditional means, you know, with through uh, 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 supporting politicians, you know, and pushing for legislation to be passed, but now, if you can get more of the, uh, you know, private business and private corporations stepping up and saying that they're in support of uh, gun control, um, you know, of course, if you can infiltrate the schools, which that's already a, basically a lost battle for, for us. Uh, so, yeah, the point is, is it's it is a constant attack from all angles, and. Um, We have to be. We have to step up our game. Yeah. Um, I. I don't. You know. If you want to not support these businesses listed by not shopping there, like that. That's up for you to decide. I'm not calling for a boycott or anything like that. Um, I don't do that. Um, but it 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 is good to know who who your enemies are, Mm -hmm. right? And I certainly think that it's just like we talk about writing our congressmen and women to express our support or non-support for various legislation, we can write these companies. We can mount social media campaigns. uh, We can call them out and say, Hey, this is, we, we disagree with, with, with what you're doing. Now the problem, this is that this, that's what's so genius about this strategy and the language that's used because Part of the strategy is to paint pro-gunners as crazy people because we say that we don't support Giffords in this effort. We don't support Dix, Toms, Kenneth Cole, Levi Strauss, Lyft, Amalgamated Bank, Macero Finance, Northwell Health, and Postmates. And, and then the, the, the comeback is, well, wait, you're not for fighting against gun violence. You're not for making our community safer. Mm-hmm. No, it's not that. It's that just, we strongly disagree on how you want to go about doing that. But that's a hard, that's a more nuanced thing to communicate. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to figure out and do a better job of of how to do that.
1: Yeah, and I th- I think it's important to know, like, uh, you know, when when you go into a store and you see a sign on the on the door that says, you know, no guns, and that person behind the counter, you know, if, if you try to engage with that person, they may not. The, the only understanding of gun safety or gun violence is what they're being taught in this, you know, uh th- these uh, employee uh, you know, training about gun violence and restraining or gun violence restraining orders and this and that and, and being fed all of these like statistics on like six thousand, you know, mass shootings every day or whatever it might be. And and they they have no idea. They're like an 18 year old kid who just got out of high school and they're getting a job, you know what I mean? And so, but you know, you know, what's interesting is if you think about it and you're like, well, why would a company exclude half of, not half, but a, a good portion of, of their business or their customer base, right? Like we know a lot of people are buying guns and there's new gun owners. So, what, why would a company be like, okay, we're going to draw this hard line unless, right, they know that somehow they're going to benefit from this? And there, there's one, uh, statement on this Giffords, uh, courage to fight gun violence. And and this might kind of underpin, and I'm not saying it's financial and I'm not saying that at all. I I think these people really do believe this, but, um, here, here's something that might be telling. It says polling conducted by global strategy group on behalf of Gifford shows that since the onset of COVID-19 and the murder of George Floyd, Okay. Um, Americans overwhelmingly believe companies have the power and responsibility to influence social change, especially on gun safety. Uh, Nearly 85% of Americans believe businesses have a responsibility to make their communities safer. And seven out of 10 say they would feel more favorable uh, to a company who partnered with gun violence prevention organizations to raise awareness. Now, I mean, I don't know about these statistics, right? 85%, 7 out of 10. But all I know is a company is not going to, you know, cut off 30% of the population right off the bat unless they believe that they're still going to be able to make money. And if this is the polling that they're being shown that says, hey, you know, get on board because 7 out of 10 are going to, companies are going to pick you over that person, that company, you know, because they're not anti-gun or whatever, or they don't care about Gun violence or whatever, um, you, you can see there, there's there's a desire, you know, for for companies to say, hey, well, I'm on the fence, but hey, I don't want to be against gun say gun violence, you know. So, mm-hmm. and plus seven out of ten, okay, I'll I'll join. Um, so this is this is um, this is an ideological thing. This is this mm-hmm. is definitely an ideological thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we we should probably move on, but uh, it. it I, I first of all, I find it hard to believe those numbers, those those statistics. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that sounds made up a little bit, or that that the uh, source of those statistics was biased in some way. Um, I suspect, like just to, based on the number of seventy percent of Americans would be more favorable towards businesses that have partnered with gun prevention, gun violence prevention, you know, whatever. Like you said, like there is probably a substantial amount. You know, number of Americans that um, that's not even on the radar for them as as far as like considering whether to do business with a business or not. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, yeah, just right off the bat, like seventy percent seems pretty high. It would really depend too on how that poll was conducted, the questions that were asked, who was asking them, and who the and who this who the you know who the the sample is, you know, who are the people that were, were responding to that? But anyway, let's go on to the firearmblog.com. Uh Seven key facts about the firearm industry in 2020, uh, Bear Creek Arsenal. So Bear Creek Arsenal recently sent over, it says here, a nicely done infographic detailing some updated statistics for the firearms industry in 2020. Uh, so we'll kind of go through these with you and, uh, You know, pretty interesting. So, number one, 2020 shattered the previous Knicks background check record. So that's the first one here. Uh, This is this is actually pretty eye opening. Uh, The previous old record was set in 2016, which was an election year when half the country thought we were going to end up with a second Clinton presidency. And in 2016, there was 15.7 million background, you know, NICS background check records is one of the primary uh, data points that's used to gauge sales in the firearms industry because it's one of the few things we're able to actually see. Now, each background check is at least related to, to the sale of one firearm, but it could be for multiple. So that's always important to keep in mind. Um to put in context last year or well really 2019 the year prior to 2020 there was 13.2 million sales or background checks but for 2020 there was 21 point basically if i round up 21.1 million background checks for firearm sales in, t- in the year 2020 so it shattered the previous record of 15.7 million in 2016 so basically we're talking 5 Point three million more background checks done in the year 2020. That is like that's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And some of that is certainly explained by the fact there was a lot of first-time gun buyers in the industry. Um, in fact, I think that comes back into the picture here a little bit further down. Uh, looking at this infographic, guys. Again, if you are listening to the podcast only and you're not seeing what's on the screen right now, uh, you can go see this story, this news story for yourself. Links for these stories are are always included in the show notes of the published podcast. Number two, Texas reigns supreme, but not by much. So Texas is the number one state for those background checks. Okay, so we're still still talking about Nick's background checks. Texas was at 1.8 million. Florida was a little, you know, was fairly close behind 1.6 million. Then California, 1.2 million. Pennsylvania, just over a million. And Virginia, 810,000 background checks. So kind of some interesting things there. Like, Calif- I mean, people think of California as not a gun state, but there are a lot of gun owners in California. Uh, so we, we, you know, we can't uh, sell California short in that regard. Um, Virginia is probably the other surprising one to me, Matthew, that it was number five yeah. on this list. I mean, when we look, I mean, first of all, Texas and Florida, two very populous states, also very pro-gun states, I'm speaking California, most populous state in the country. OK, so that makes sense. Pennsylvania, eh, pretty populated mm-hmm. um, and also generally pro-gun. So eh, not too surprising. Virginia. OK, but, but like think of it. Like the way I look at this is what other states could have fit into into that number five slot mm-hmm. um, and there're there probably a handful like Ohio I think yeah. could have probably been number five um, Indiana could probably be in there even Illinois wouldn't surprise me at all that it's somewhere you know probably even in the top ten so kind of interesting to note there yep um, fact number facts number three and four. This has to do with first-time gun buyers and increased sales. So first, the first fact here is it's looking at the percentage increase in sales by state. And the state with the highest increase in sales was Michigan, 180% increase. I believe that was year over year. So compared to 2019, Washington, D.C., 140% increase. That one surprised me a little bit. That is really quite interesting. Rhode Island, 111% increase. Also kind of interesting. Alabama, 95%. Okay, cool. Way to go, Alabama. 95% increase in New Jersey. Also kind of interesting. Then also the, the, the second thing here on this part of the infographic, and this is relating to fact number four. Is that the National Shooting Sports Foundation estimates that over 8.4 million people purchased a gun for the first time, and this was based on
1: retail surveys. Mm.
0: That's a lot. Yeah, we've talked about that before.
1: Yeah, in all different demographics, uh, political ideologies. I mean, across the board, it and and it's a it's a big that's that that. (laughs) That's shattering. I mean, all these other numbers are massive and and eye-opening, but this is like, but you could say, okay, well, just more gun owners are buying, you know, more people that like guns are buying more guns, but it's just not that case. And it's not all, you know, um, all of one political uh, ideology. So I think, and we talked about that, I think, offline a while back about like trying to reach other people and and help them get you know, get into uh, gun safety and things like that, because they're, they may not come from that, that background at all, you know? Um, So
0: that, and actually that was, that came up in our conversation about producing our own gun safety video course Mm -hmm. was, Hey, a lot of new, new or first time gun owners out there. Uh, So here's a free resource to go learn about some gun safety. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, Tony on Facebook commenting that his mother was one of these first-time virus. So, bravo, bravo. And I've mentioned before how I really hope that that fact alone helps us in the fight for gun rights in bringing more people of a broader background, a variety of backgrounds into the 2A tent, so to speak, that hopefully that helps build some momentum to fight against things like what the Giffords organization is pushing for and their impact network and, and um, the Brady campaign and every town and, you know, like there, they have been so I think effective with their, do I say marketing strategies? I think that makes sense Um, that it, it, people need to start seeing through the BS. And part of the solution there is you make people gun owners and, there's a reason why all these people became gun owners for the first time, and chances are it's because they saw the civil unrest across the country. They saw supplies disappearing from shelves, shelves, store shelves. Uh, they are concerned about this virus, and and they're realizing, hey, the government isn't there to protect me like maybe I thought thought was the case, or maybe the way I was brought or raised or whatever. Uh, I'm on my own. I need to defend myself. I need a tool to do that. Let's go buy a gun. Hopefully, we can see through the BS and go, hey, these people are talking about restricting the thing that I just bought last year. That Mm -hmm. that hopefully starts clicking in some people's heads. Uh, Facts five, six, and seven. Number five is market size value for ammunition, $21.38 billion. Keep in mind, we reported a few months ago about how federal, just federal, had reported that they had like five billion dollars in back orders mm-hmm. <laughs> ammunition purchases um, that kind of puts paints a little bit of a picture of just how big uh, federal CCI spear is in the overall market 21.4 billion dollar market size for civilian ammunition. Um, over nine billion rounds produced in the year 2020. That's fact number six. That's, that's just a little bit. (laughs) And then the final thing is that there are about 332,000 American jobs provided by the firearms industry, which is awesome. That's a lot of people employed.
1: Yeah. I mean, so when we look at these, like, you know, people being out of work or whatever, or somebody saying, Hey, you know, it's okay if, you know, we, we really, cinched down on these, uh, ammunition companies, right. And we, we we're going to burden them with extra, um, regulata- regulations as far as, uh, ammunition or, uh, background checks for ammunition purchases or something it might seem common sense, but you know, the, th- those things have direct impact on businesses, bottom line and, and things like that. And, and, you know, it, 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 it affects people's business, people's jobs, right? Like, We look at businesses and some somebody might want to cancel a a business because they make a, you know, a a magazine component or something like that or make ammunition. They think they're bad people. But I mean, there are people that are putting their kids through school and putting food on the table and stuff like that, that that go to work every day and make ammunition, not just for, you know, Mm -hmm. bad guys on the street, but they make law enforcement, military. I mean, you know, so. Uh, it's uh, there's a lot more interconnectedness to markets and businesses and people's lives than, than what a a lot of people want you to think, you know? So when you start canceling people or boycotting, it's not, it's not just that simple. I don't think.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, anyway, kind of some interesting facts there about uh, the firearm industry as you know, we look back at the year 2020. So pretty amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. I have a comment from Donald on Facebook. He says, love to hear your thoughts on the Second Amendment sanctuary town resolution passed by the town of Burleville, Rhode Island, in April 2019 and to be reaffirmed tonight, March 10th, 2021. Thank you for the work you do. Well, Donald, appreciate you taking the time to comment. And uh, while that's probably a little too specific of, a, of an issue for like, for instance, I don't know anything about it. I have to go look it up. But if it sounds like what I think it is, Burlville, Rhode Island, decided to pass a sanctuary town resolution, meaning, hey, Second Amendment means what it means here in this town. Uh, all right. I say kudos, bravo, and I hope that's re- reaffirmed tonight. I, I do think that some of those uh, types of things are um, in the grand scheme of things, not particularly, like they don't really mean a whole lot. There's not a lot of teeth to those types of resolutions, um, but I applaud cities and counties and even states that uh, choose to do so. And 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 for me, I just as anti-gun organizations like to um, you know bang their drums about look at you know what we're doing to prevent gun violence and whatnot. To me, it, when when cities and states and counties pass resolutions saying that this is a sanctuary city state county or whatever um second amendment as is the real deal here in this jurisdiction um to me it just signifies to people that hey it's a it's an important issue uh, including to this state this county this city and uh, i applaud that so bravo let's get to our first uh uh story about these new gun releases. And this one was uh, like, this was honestly the one that was surprising to me, Matthew. Um, This one from Taurus USA. And uh, they have come out with what they call the Toro, which is Taurus optic ready option. And so essentially they have announced that they have released the Taurus G3 and G3C with optics ready options. Uh, This includes coming with, uh, first of all, the gun sells with a cover plate to fill in the optic cut for when you're not using an optic, which is a nice, uh, nice, nice thing. It should be, should be done. If you're going to do that, if you're going to have an optics ready pistol, I think you should have a, a plate to fill it, but then they have these other adapter plates that interface and are compatible with a number of different optics out there. Now, my first thing that I would say here is that not all plates are created equal. And depending on how some of these are done, like some of these I know are you, you, you stick the optic on the plate and you run the screws through the optic and the optics passing through the plate and going into the slide. Like that's probably going to work pretty well. But some of these I suspect maybe just relying on, and I could be wrong in this. But where you basically screw the plate to the slide and then you screw the optic to the plate, um, like the MOS system does on, glo- on the clocks, mm-hmm. those tend to fail. Um, you know, now that I look at this, I do see that the, the hole patterns on three of these plates is very similar. And then the, the RMR ones get that slightly wider set screw pattern hole um, or screw hole pattern. Actually, maybe all these are designed. So they do have four holes in the top of the slide two sets of holes um, so actually maybe these are not plates that you're screwing optics to but they are just simply plates to change the footprint add recoil bosses uh, that that fit those various optics and then they've got four holes here two pairs of which will be used for different st- styles of optics now they've mm-hmm. got uh, Dr. Noblex I've never even heard of Noblex Vortex, Venom, Burris, Fastfire, Sightmark Mini, uh, RMR, Sun, uh, That would include the SRO then as well. Seymour uh, STS2 and Leopold Delta Point and Bushnell RXS250. And I imagine, I would think, if that's Leopold Delta Point Pro compatible, should be compatible with the uh, Romeo 1 Pro then as well. At least I would think. Hmm. Um, so four different plates. Now, one thing I do appreciate is that they have these indexing. Uh, they're not really lugs, but there's these indexing cuts. That's a good sign to see because that what that means is you really lock those plates into those indexed points on the slide, uh, which should, uh, you know, you want the energy of the recoil of that gun being fired to pass as much as possible through, you know, through the slide directly into the optic you don't want to be relying overly you know too much on the screws taking that recoil energy the screw should hold the optic onto the slide but then the recoil lugs and bosses and things is what should actually transfer um, that energy so that we're not busting screws and stuff so anyway so that's promising to see but again, it is Taurus, which is known as a more budget-oriented uh, manufacturer. So, how well this is implemented and how well it'll hold up to optics, and, you know, being used and fired um, and tested it's uh, a good question. Yeah.
1: Let's see. Yeah. So Cy- Cyrus on, on Facebook says uh, he says, "Man." I may get crucified for this, but I hope you don't. But I shot a G2C, a a, a Taurus G2C, and bought one immediately. Bought a G3C, um, also great guns. Still won't carry them over my 43X, but Taurus has come a long way. And yeah, they have. I mean, I've been, I've seen a lot more. I mean, there's still Taurus, and, you know, like you said, you probably trust your Glock over the Taurus. Um, and, and, you know, uh, but I have seen a lot more Taurus. I don't know about you, Riley, but I've seen a lot more Taurus guns come that the G two G three, um, come through concealed carry classes. Um, and you know, I mean, I haven't seen a whole heck of a lot of problems with them. I mean, granted it's, it's not a high stress test, right. Uh, mm-hmm. testing of the gear through a, 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 like a, your general concealed carry class, but, um, but I am seeing more of them. Uh, it's good to see Taurus at least, like saying, "Hey, w- we have to provide optic ready guns for our mm-hmm. for our consumers." Um, changing out the, the,
0: the future is now, old man.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and they really they have is. to, and and so. Uh, that that's a good sign. It's it's a sign that at least they're forward thinking enough, or not forward thinking enough, but like yeah, innovating and in, in not just saying, "Hey, let's just call it a G3C and put a little different like trigger, you know, a uh, thumb swell on the side of the gun, you know, or give a different checkering pattern of the grip, and we'll call it the G3." Um, they're actually, you know, in, in we we're talking about, you know, they the the they the change of the sights. Um, on the gun and stuff, so different different things. Um, but yeah, like you said, it, it just needs to be pressure tested and stuff over time. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's it's a good sign.
0: Yeah. Um, so for my gear review today, I'm actually going to give an up because I think I talked about them before. I think I could be wrong, but I'm going to give a, a status update on the Taurus G3 and G3C that uh, I've been testing and evaluating. Um, and so I'll do that here later in the show. So I'll provide some some additional thoughts and feedback uh, about what I think about these, these latest guns from Taurus. Um, so anyway, let's go on now to the next one. Uh, Matthew, tell me what you think about this uh, Walter PDP. That yes pdp in case that did not come out clearly <laughs> personal defense pistol i think yeah
1: for. personal defense pistol yeah so walther obviously making like really um you know everybody loves the ergonomic feel of walther pistols and stuff uh, obviously a long track record of making good good firearms and things like that but uh good handguns especially um but the pdp um i know was kind of like uh i saw on it because um uh scott jedlinski he's kind of partnered with walter and kind of
0: he's a part of what's called the walter defense division Mm -hmm. which they've they've uh, brought on uh several people uh scott bill blowers tatiana whitlock uh, uh, Jim Dexter, whom some of you may not know, but uh, he, trust me, he's a solid dude. Uh, I feel like there's one more. I can't think of what his name is right now, but yeah, the Walter defense division. So Scott's part of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so I saw, you know, because I saw some social media posts uh, that he, you know, was blacking out, you know, cause they, they mm-hmm. it wasn't released yet. So there was a lot of like little growing hype about around this pistol and um, the fact that it might, you know, replace. I, I don't know if a lot of a lot of the listeners might have like a, a PPQ, mm-hmm. right? Um, and you know, it might be kind of like one of those. It, it's Glock nineteen ish in size, pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, and you know, I was looking at it. I, I, you know, I have to say, I'm I'm not like I, I'm glad it doesn't have like the paddle you know, a uh, magazine release, you know, there's, there's really like a lot of ergonomic stuff that looks really nice about it. It's obviously optic ready, right? Like that's a no brainer these days, but um, I, I guess we'll, I'll mention that, but, um, but yeah, I, I was actually looking at it and saying, man, if there is something that I would, you know, try out or, or, or like to get my hands on probably be that, but you know, uh, we'll have to see. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, And, you know, I I talked with Scott, too, uh, a couple days after the announcement was made about these new guns. And um, we actually did a video that is yet to be published on our YouTube channel, partly because there's some audio issues in it. And I'm still trying to see if we can get um, some of that cleaned up and resolved. But um, really, really impressive looking pistol uh, specification wise. I mean, look at it this way. There's a lot of people that really like the PPQ. And the PPQ is has been, it's shown to be a very, um, it's a very solid gun, um, and the PDP is just kind of as I see it, the next evolution of the PPQ. Um, I think Walter is going to continue probably making the PPQ even still, um, but the PDP I think is where it's at. It's sort of the culmination of a lot of, a lot of things I think Walter has learned over the years. Um, And we have the PDP compact, which uh, you kind of touched on. I mean, this is very Glock 19 sized. Uh, Then there's a PDP full-size 4-inch and a PDP full-size 4.5-inch. And uh, by that, they mean it's a full-size grip length, essentially. And there are 18-round mag capacity on the full-size models. Um, But the barrel and slide length on the PDP compact and PDP full-size 4-inch is basically the same. It's basically identical. Um, just in the case of the 4.5 inch, you get, um, a little bit, you get a half inch longer barrel and slide. Um, the ergonomics of these looks phenomenal. I'll just say that based on what I can see, the grip texture looks, looks very promising. If we go up a little bit here, as we're looking at this on the screen, you get kind of a close up of this grip texture and it's, it's a tetrahedron, uh, kind of design and shape. Um, so it's, it's sort of like, it's, it's a bit cubic like you know but with these these points um you know i mean if you look at it it looks like a hex right but you sort of get these three sides that put all that together and i i'm confident that the grip on this is really really effective Mm -hmm. um while not being overly abrasive and it actually says here in the description that it's designed to be to 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 really grip to your hand, but not to be abrasive to where it irritates your skin when you're carrying it concealed or or your clothing. We all know the pistols out there that basically wear holes and stuff in your shirt and, and whatnot. Um, really effective looking serrations on the slide. Great trigger. Walter's been known for the for the great triggers in the PPQ and the Q-series pistols. Uh, this just carries that forward uh, and, and improves upon it even further. Um, yeah. Very very promising looking pistol, and it's actually you know I'm I'm a friend of Scott Jadlinski, and it's actually really cool to see his influence on this design. Including if I go down, you look at the uh, um actually says here Red Dot Ergonomics, and you might be like, what's Red Dot Ergonomics? The what what we tend to see more more often than not when people lose their dot in their in their optic on a pistol it's usually high of some kind like it's it, it's the the pistol's elevated slightly to where they lose the dot occasionally it's going to be left or right that's usually pretty easily fixed with just A little work on your index, right? Making sure you always grip the pistol the same way. If you always grip the same way, your dot should be on, you know, as far as not left, not right. should be pretty center center line. So then it's just a matter of figuring out if we're high or low. And more often than not, people aren't low. They're usually high. And a little bit more pinky, pinky, pinky pressure usually helps drop that dot right down to the window. And you'll see that the ergonomics of this pistol are designed in such a way to kind of facilitate that, make that even more intuitive. Um, so that's kind of kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's just cool to see his influence on this gun. Yeah. Cool. All right, Walter PDP, and I'll tell you, it's been getting a lot of a lot of press. A lot of people talking about it. Let's go on now to the Hellcat RDP. <laughs> kind of similar um rdp standing for rapid defense package configuration this is the hellcat and really what it means is it has a compensator it's optics ready you can buy it even with an optic um, and they do also now have a manual safety um, i think that's an option although everything that they're showing here shows the safety on the gun maybe it's not optional i don't know let's see okay so it does actually say down on the page a little further the this manual safety is an optional ambidextrous manual safety so that's mm-hmm. good i mean at least you, you give people the option of whether they want the safety or not um threaded barrel that then of course fits with this this uh, uh compensator okay so really what this is designed what this is all about is you're you're carrying this really compact pistol that tends to be a, you know, more challenging to shoot, but we're adding some features that may make it a little bit easier to shoot. Yeah. How much? No idea. Um, compensators can be effective. They're most effective with high gas volume, which tends to be a higher velocity, uh, nine millimeter round. Um, so and I have no idea how effective this one is. It'd be interesting to test. Um, I don't know. Oh, and they did say that it has a redesigned trigger mm-hmm. from the original Hellcat trigger. There were some concerns about that trigger and how it interfaced with certain people's fingers mm-hmm. and causing some issues where people, if they were side loading the trigger at all before they actually pressed through the trigger, then then it would sort of like lock the trigger up. All yeah,
1: right. Yeah. And, and you know... I don't know. You mentioned the compensator thing. Like I'm not against compensators. I think obviously, you know, they're, they're proven that they, they work right. And what they want and what you want them to do Um, And every compensator is a little different, you know, Riley, like the way um, the way it works, the way it vents out, you know, the, the pressure and the gases and things like that is a little bit different in the way it interacts with um, with the barrel but um, my only concern for a compensator on a an, on a self-defense gun is you know th- there have been issues with um, jacketed parts um, coming out or um, you know venting a, a, a combustion gases into your um, into your face mm-hmm. and things like that and so it's just one of those things that You're you're talking like if someone was shooting from a retention. I'm sorry. Yes. From a retention, since a self-defense pistol, you may be using it from a retention position, not fully extended um, up close against your body, um, you know, in in these types of things. So it's just for a self-defense pistol. uh, I'm not saying that I've never shot this. so I'm not saying that that it it suffers from these issues or anything like that. Um, But um, it is Mm -hmm. something to consider when you're looking at compensators for a a self-defense handgun. But
0: just my opinion. That, that is a possibility um one of the reasons why if you're going to have a comp on a carry pistol i prefer the the, the the design that has the where the porting of the comp itself is all vertical um I, I this one looks like it has a couple of smaller ports on the side so so to your point where i see that being problematic is if if i have a one or two chamber compensator that fence all the gases upward um, and that's where you want most of that pressure anyways that that's what's going to help keep the muzzle of the pistol down um, that's more manageable because it's honestly the way I index my pistol for retention shooting Matthew against my my chest when we're talking about a true retention you know like close combat uh, uh, position here, it's angled enough outward away from me that I'm not, I don't worry about catching any, any, you know, jacket or anything like that um, at all, because I'm already canted probably close to 45 degrees. So it's away from my face. But in this case, this has a couple of, this is a three port compensator and it has a couple on the side. I, I angle it that way. and I'm just pointing one of those ports at my face, you know? So I think that's a bit of a, I think that's a bit of a misstep, you know, on a, on a pistol like this, um, that's clearly for concealed carry. Um, but, uh, you know, at the same time, like the likely, like how often does anyone actually shoot from a true retention position in deadly force encounters? It's probably pretty rare. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, 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 even if you did catch some, some jacket in your face, uh hopefully it doesn't take you out of the fight, although it could. Mm-hmm. That's that's the concern, probably. Now, let's take a quick look at the new HEX-branded red dot optics. Uh, this is, as I've looked into it, is apparent that HEX optics is like a subsidiary of some kind of, of Springfield Armory. So these are their optics. This is their optic line. Uh, HEX is the brand. This particular model is called the WASP, and it has the uh, RMSC. Uh, footprint, which is same as the Romeo Zero, same as the Holosun 507K, um, and so it's got it's got that. You know, it, it, this has been basically a standardized footprint. The one exception is when when Trigicon released their RMR, RMRC, which is its own thing. But all these other optics are based around this RMSC Shield RMSC footprint, which I think is good. Um, and, and this looks like a fairly robust optic for its size for what it is, but you know it's it's brand new and unproven, so uh, you know take take it take caution, you know, and uh, at, at at putting much faith in something like this. Well, I have to you know see how they do in the market and how they uh, test out. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this is kind of the whole package. I mean, it's this is basically kind of what I'm moving to more and more with some of my carry pistols. Like right now, I'm carrying a P320 that's comped and has a red dot on it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and, and and I'll just add this in because I, I remember when this first came out. Josh, our editor, he was saying, "What's with the what's with the demonic like uh, like nomenclature for this?" I think the hex uh, optic is because it's a hexagon shape, not like they're putting a hex on people. Um, but however you want to look at it. But I'm right, you got the Hellcat there. and the Hex. <laughs> hex you, buddy. <laughs>
0: no, you, you, you do see that. If I uh, go back here to uh, to this view, you kind of see this, you know, the way these angles are cut in the frame of that optic, kind of hexagonal, sort of like, I guess. <laughs> Anyway. All right. Moving on, Matthew, we got this story from NPR about did record gun sales cause a spike in gun crime? Researchers say it's complicated.
1: Yeah, it is. Right. Like that's probably the most straightforward and honest like media uh, title of article that you could have. Right. Like normally what you see is like uh, gun crime is up it's due to more gun sales or vice versa or whatever, right? Like whatever. And this is one of those things. And the reason why an NPR in case you guys don't know is not like a super, super right-wing conservative, um, propaganda, uh, news outlet. Okay. They tend to be more, um, uh, I would say left in, or liberal in the, in, in their reporting. However, um, they got it right. They obviously through, um, Uh, Last year, I mean, crimes have gone up. Violent crime has gone up drastically and um, violent crime with with firearms has gone up. Um, And so one could reference our earlier one of our first stories that we did and say, oh, well, it's all these guns, all these new gun owners and millions and millions of millions of guns are out there. And of course, this is what we've been saying. The more guns that are out there, the more crime is going to go up and if you you know do that whole i look at this statistic and how can i jam it into my ideology so it comes out at the end where i'm correct then you get that um, but they say hold up it's 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 a little more complicated and they go through you know when were these spikes actually occurring and and gun gu- you know gun ownership has been going up and up and up for several years in a row drastically we talked about 2016 being the prior record um and, and the violent crime didn't you know mirror that 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 trend right and, and so what caused the spike it's probably not new gun owners, right? Like, um, certainly it could be, but like, it doesn't, if you look at the, the overall trending of this stuff, um, it's probably not that And the article it's, it's written pretty well. It's, um, you know, it's, it doesn't seem very biased one way or the other. And this is one of those things. And why I thought it was important to bring this up is that like, we can really, and I see it all the time that we can really get Um, lose our credibility when we start citing statistics out of context or citing statistics in order to prove something. And it works in this regard, but then it can also be, you know, the the old argument like, um, well, wherever there's gun control, there's more crime. Well, that's not necessarily, you know, or or, or where there's more, um, you know, gun control, there's more gun crime. That's not necessarily true, right? Like there are states that are very lax in their gun laws and have higher gun crime. You know, it, it's more complicated. So what I'm saying is research say it's more complicated. I think most of these statistics are more complicated and we should dive in and try to understand it before we start throwing around statistics to prove our point.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, when we actually look at this, it, it just, you know, I guess my big takeaway, Matthew, is that uh, uh, there's, there's a couple of interesting things that, Stand out I mean, it talks about how crime went up, right? Particularly violent crime this last year. Uh, it is complicated because the last year, because I think of a combination of COVID nineteen, stay at home orders, uh, people losing jobs and work. Uh, there was just a there was a greater sense of desperation, right? Uh, yes. You know, it, it, at large in our society. Sure um there were uh political issues that were stirring up unrest there were some shootings involving police and and you know like see all this adds up to a year of turmoil that i think overall just the state of of the minds of the people was kind of in a rough place mm-hmm. so I, I I think it is complicated to understand and explain why crime rate ra- why crime rose the way it did. Um, could it be blamed for the increase in sale in guns? I don't think so. And there's a really great point that's made by uh, University of Denver's Trent Stidley, who studies the sociology of firearms in America. And he says it's too early to conclude the increase in the overall supply of legal guns last year led to more guns used in crimes, especially when you look at the last decade. He says, quote, we've sold a lot of guns since 2008. That is very true. And year over year until 2020, we saw crime rates declining. I don't think 2020 is going to settle this. So that's a very, very valid point. I think that there were there were many more other reasons why violent crime rate rose the way it did in 2020. And I, I think it is unlikely that legal gun sales contributed to that significantly, if at all. Right. Gotta move along, run out of time. Final story. The moronic myths of micro stamping won't spend too much time on this, uh, but on the nssf.org's website, this article is on their blog. It uh, talks about the idea of micro-stamping. It's been touted as a means of gun safety by the anti-gun crowd for a number of years now. Uh, and the NSSF here just basically goes through and explains why it is a, a an unproven and unworkable technology. Um you know, one point here in the article talks about how the micro stamping mark on the tip of a firing pin is only 25 microns uh, deep, which is like half the diameter of a typical human hair. It's not very much, right? Um, So it'd be really easy for people just to file that micro stamping off in the case of those that wish to circumvent the law and, you know, commit untraceable crimes, so to speak. Um, I was thinking like, it probably won't take, wouldn't take that much like firing pins take a beating anyway and do wear out over time it probably wouldn't take that long before the micro stamping was obliterated just just by the simple act of firing like i mean it might not be as much uh, an issue for people that don't shoot more than a few hundred rounds a year but for somebody like me that shoots thousands and thousands of rounds in a year uh yeah, I'd be amazed if that micro stamping, uh, you know, was able to survive uh, very long at all. Um, but here's the thing. This is, this is really eye opening. It says the bottom line is micro stamping doesn't work. Uh, quoting. Uh, uh, where's his full name here? Um, Todd Lizzo. He's the person that holds the patent for the sole source micro stamping technology. The article says. He himself agrees that, that the alphanumeric codes that are used in microstamping are often illegible, even under perfect conditions. Electron microscopes couldn't detect legible codes in testing. Even under perfect conditions, it would take at least 10 spent cartridges to make an educated guess to piece together a legible code. Mm hmm. That's yeah. that's eye opening. And this is the the guy that invented the tech the technology and holds the patent on it, admitting that hey, you know, like the dude's got the patent. He came up with the process apparently, but it's the technology's not there yet.
1: Yeah, and I untruthfully and, and i may be being uh pessimistic or a uh, skeptic here but i tr- i think truthfully the the idea behind micro stamping or pushing micro stamping is not even th- th- they know all this mm-hmm. like i think the idea is to bankrupt as many gun business gun manufacturers as you can and add this uh, a higher price to uh the gun owner the purchaser the consumer so it it, it you know, just make it's a, it's another hurdle. I, I, I truly believe that. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, you know, I'm a little bit of a, yeah. Pessimistic. And, and,
0: and the, and I don't disagree with you. I mean, as far as that they know this or that they may know this, I mean, the, the examples given right here in the article about how California's law requiring for, for new manufactured handguns to get onto the roster of handguns in California. Um, they either have to comply with all these new requirements, including micro stamping, or three older model of guns have to be removed for every one new gun that gets added to the roster. There you go. Right. So as of right now, you have 497 guns on the approved roster. But when that law took effect, there were there were almost double that amount. There's almost a thousand guns on the roster now we're down about half that. You wonder why Californians are one are whining all the time. I don't mean whining and guys don't take don't read into that too much. Like but cuz it's 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 justified legitimate whining. I would be too. People are complaining about not being able to get certain guns in California. This is why. So this is con- this this is its own form of gun control and like in terms of actually removing guns from the market for people that they can buy and own it is something as silly and as simple and stupid as micro stamping. Anyway, we're, we're over time. Let's get now to our gear reviews. Um,
1: Matthew, why don't we hear yours first? All right. So I'm going to make this real quick. Cause I know we're, we're running a little bit late, but I got the, uh, new Mantis, uh, the if you guys are familiar with mantis x the little device that you put on your your firearm it helps um uh give you all kinds of feedback um about your uh what are the muzzle's moving recoil impulse uh all kinds of stuff really cool device well they came out with um the laser academy so it's similar to if you guys um listen to the um uh, shooter ready challenge with LASR um software it's similar in in, in the respect that um, it's a shot recording application it's free when you buy the you know you, you can download it for free uh, you can unlock some stuff by purchasing extra uh, drills and things like that but the the mant the laser academy it comes with um, like a case i don't know if you can Uh, Here you go. You can see this. It's got a little uh, tripod for your phone because that's how you can use, you can use a phone or a a tablet, iPad, something like that um, for the the camera, but um, different little adapters to hold your phone or or whatnot. It has a little laser cartridge, um, which is really cool. Obviously you got to have to get it in the right caliber, but it it allows you to use your um, actual firearm. Um, And then it comes with a bunch of these different Uh, target. So there's um, two different sizes. So you can see depending on how far you want to be and what, what yardage you want to simulate that you're shooting at this target, but um, all different kinds, IDPA, um, USPSA, um, different, or um, let's see, um, just different, different targets, hostage targets. There's actually a uh, dot torture drill in here, Riley. And uh, so, you know, since ammunition is a little expensive, that 50 round drill, you can you can do that. Um, but it's really cool. Um, the the software itself is is really good. The, the interaction or the interface is really good so far with what I've gone through it. Um, you can run different time drills, different. Um, you can actually have two people shooting a drill like a dueling drill and things like that. So uh, very cool. Um yeah mantis in mantis I, I you, you guys know their their uh innovation is, is is always they're always updating their app the the mantis device i mean they they go through so many iterations and always updating the the application to to reflect new um capabilities for so um so far i've been loving this this kit and i've got it all set up but it, like i said it comes with a a a, a tripod the little sticky things even these i'll grab these even these little rubber thing or sticky things that you can poster things that you can stick it to the wall um different targets and stuff so really cool um compact easy to carry around so um you know i've had it for about a week now and using it um probably three or four days now and it's uh it's pretty cool i i I like it a lot
0: right right on man yeah yeah Cool. I appreciate you sharing your review of the Manus X Laser Academy with us. Um, All right. On to my review. And I told you guys earlier, I teased that I would uh, spend a little time talking about the uh, Taurus G3 and G3C uh, pistols. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on camera with these because some of the Facebook and YouTubes get a little bit... uh, um, they get weird with that sometimes. Anyway, so um, I've had these for a while. Uh, actually, since last year, I just haven't been able to get out and actually shoot them as much as, I, as I'd as i like to. Some of that's been the availability of ammunition, um, but some of that's just been I haven't been able to get to the range and actually just work on uh, things like testing and evaluations and reviews and such um, uh, as much lately. So I'm hoping to get out to the range here uh, the next week or two and, and put some more rounds through these because right now through the G3, I have like maybe 200, 250 rounds, which is not not a whole lot. And and to be honest, I don't know how many rounds I'm going to put through these because where I'm at, I really have to conserve. Um, you guys, you know where I'm at in my competitive shooting and, and the goals that I have set, at least some of you know. Um, I, I don't have the ability to just go and, sh- and do a two thousand three thousand five thousand round test on these right now uh, and, and use up ammunition that I need to set aside and dedicate for uh, for my for my own personal you know progress um, but um, but you know I, I do hope to get you know several hundred more rounds through the each of the g3 and g3c pistols I think I've got about the same rounds through each of these guns at this point uh, so a couple of quick things. The grip texture on these is is improved over the older Taurus models. Uh, Similar locations to the G2 series pistols, um, but it's a little bit tackier. It's a little bit more pronounced. Um, It it might even, for some people, be a little bit overly aggressive, but for me, it's probably just about right. There's really good purchase on the gun, so I appreciate that. The mag release is a little undersized. Um, That's probably one of my... Actually, one of my bigger complaints. Um, I, I have to really work to make sure I hit that mag release positively to get uh, reliable magazine extraction. Um, the uh, manual safety that's on these, and it's very similar to previous generation uh, Taurus pistols manual safeties. It's it's very intuitive, simple to use. Not a big deal there. Uh, non ambidextrous, and nor is there a left hand friendly. Um, slide stop lever either so these are i do believe you can reverse the mag release but um you don't have the ability to change the other controls if you're if you're a southpaw so uh, that's that's a little bit unfortunate the trigger on them i'll say i don't dislike the trigger on these g3 and g3c pistols it really isn't a bad trigger it's very glock like um you know you have some take up and then you get to a wall and there's a little bit of, you know, it stacks a little bit on you there right at the wall before it finally breaks a um, little bit, a little bit of mush, maybe as some people would describe it, but it's not bad. It's not terrible. It's very, very serviceable. And then of course the, they have what they call their double strike capability, meaning that uh, you can shoot in basically what would be considered more like a single action mode, but then, if for some reason the gun didn't fire, you had a bad primer, we, uh, light primer strike, you can release the trigger and it goes kind of into a double action mode. And then you do a long double action press to get it to fire, hopefully a second time uh, or on, on your second attempt. Um, even that double action is not, I mean, it's not great, but it's not terrible. Honestly, um, I owned a PT 111 years and years ago and hated that pistol. The trigger was terrible. It was nasty. It was one of the nastiest triggers I've ever owned on a pistol. Um, Even when you get to the wall, there was this this kind of this gritty, unpredictable, you know, just, you know, before it finally would break. Uh, And you could actually feel the trigger flexing on some of those older guns, too. So that was kind of undesirable as well. Um, The looks of the pistol is fine. You know, very utilitarian. Um, Front serrations, if you're a front serration lover. Um, now, the one thing is on the G3 pistol, the rear sight is a different design from the sight on the G3C. The G3C looks like it's using a Glock front sight and a Glock dovetail rear, which is great because that should expand your sight, your aftermarket sight offerings. That's been an issue for Taurus gun owners in the past. Uh, l- nobody makes replacement sights really for this guy here. This is the larger Footprint, if you will, of the rear sight on the. It's the same design they've used for a couple generations of the Taurus pistols, I believe. So Glock style sights and the sights on this G3C are steel, which is awesome. And they're very serviceable. I I probably wouldn't bother replacing the sights on this gun, to be honest with you. You have a blacked-out rear with serrations on the back face of that rear sight, which is great for helping reduce reflections and glare off the flat surface of that back rear sight if you you have light hitting it the right or wrong way. Um, The front sight's just a simple white dot. Um, Not the end of the world, but I have a white dot, a little bit of contrast there with a blacked-out rear Um, I actually had zero problems picking up a clean sight picture in rapid strings of fire on the G3C. Contrast that with the G3, which has three dot sight front and rear. I I wasn't as keen about the sight picture on the G3. Uh, I would probably color in the two dots on the rear sight um, if I was going to hang on to this thing long term, which I may. I haven't decided yet. But uh, the sights on the G3 are plastic. Now, I did note that on the website now, they show an option of the G3 with steel sights. And I noticed that they're the same cut, the Glock-style dovetail rear Glock front sight on the newer version of the G3. I think that's a good thing. I think that's a wise kind of next generation, you know, kind of next evolution, if you will, of of these uh, G3 series pistols um of course we talked about how they now have the optics ready version for both the g3 and g3c which i think is promising although the irony there is that they're showing photos of guns with optics that cost in some cases like in the case of an rmr it's like double the price of the gun that it sits on that's not the end of the world i have rifles that have optics that are more expensive than the rifles themselves but uh you know good glass is good glass but these are relatively inexpensive pistols, and there's not the greatest of reputations uh, that that Taurus has. There's been some problems. I have had Taurus co- gu- guns come through my classes. A PT111 that was very problematic for the user. Uh, lots of uh, of failure to to eject. Mostly a lot of stovepipe malfunctions on that particular gun. Haven't seen a lot of the G2Cs in classes. Uh, I feel like maybe I've seen one, and I if if that's True. I don't think it really had any. It would have been more memorable if there was problems. Um, I have not seen any of the new newer G threes come through in classes that I've taught. Um, I guess what I'm saying is that while I, my, you know, th- there are definitely options out there, like, including the gun that I carry, that um, I think are a little bit more proven and are made maybe to higher exact more exacting standards. Um, but I do not totally dislike these Taurus G3 and G3 C pistols. So a budget gun for sure. Uh, I sometimes question people that justify decisions solely based on price and cost. Um, I think that's probably a, that's definitely for me, it's a very secondary or even a tertiary consideration when I'm evaluating equipment that is life saving. Okay. But, uh, but it's a budget option out there that, that honestly, there are some people that truly can't afford much more. Um, so I appreciate that there are budget options. And so far, these ones seem to be running pretty well. Caleb Giddings did a 500, 500 round test, I think, on a G3C that ran pretty well. Um, I haven't seen too many big-time round count you know, tests on them. Um, I have heard some and anecdotal stories of some some g3 series guns that had some some issues here and there with reliability but overall seems like they're generally performing you know pretty well but i'll probably stick with my okay i'll say this i will stick with my other guns but this has been an interesting thing getting my hands on these and and testing them out and i do think that these are vastly improved over the pt-111s of yesteryear for sure So that's uh, my take on the, on the TARS pistols. Nice. Um, yeah. Oh, I should have mentioned magazines. Um, not that's one of the downsides is they're not as readily available, not as easily found in some of the stores I frequent. Uh, if you want to pick up spare mags, so you may have to look online more for that stuff. Um, but uh, they do have uh, in the case of G G three C 10 round and 12 round options available and in the case of the G3, I believe there's 15 and even 17 round. In fact, I, I, I have them both. I have a 15 and a 17 round. Now, what they did, uh, though, and I think this is a bit unfortunate, but this is the standard pistol and grip length for the G3. And so the standard magazine that comes with this is a 15 round. So when you get the 17 rounder, it, it actually extends below the bottom of the grip and it has a little you know, filler piece that fills in the gap, mm. which... I noted doesn't really stay put very well. And that bothers me a little bit. Um, if I was carrying the 17 round as like a spare mag, I'd probably just leave that little filler piece off. There's plenty of grip length for you to get your hand on these anyway. So cool, man. Yeah. A couple Sounds points. good thought i mentioned there well let's uh let's let these poor folks go they've listened to us long enough <laughs> so guys thanks for being a part of this episode with us here today uh well, we'll i think jacob and i are doing the uh, 4 p.m episode here in a little bit um so stay tuned for that and uh oh we should do a giveaway i already right. got it right i gotta go Yeah, Here we go. (laughs) Drum roll.
1: Who is our weekly giveaway winner? Our winner, Brian. You are winning a draw like the pro um, training course. I will email you. Just make sure you check your email and get back to me. And next week, we're giving away a set of Roger 22 electronic hearing protection uh, ear pro.
0: That's a big deal, actually. Big deal. I think. Um, Guys, electronic ear pro, you want a set? Don't have one? you come into the guardian conference later this year and you don't have electronic ear hearing protection, you should come with some and you should come with a new pair of Roger 22s from ready up gear. So uh, value on that price, what 45 bucks or 49 bucks or something like that. So, so yeah. Awesome. Super excited to award to one of you lucky winners next week, a pair of ready up gear, Roger 22s. That's what I wear now. Uh, so you, you'll see me at the matches running those. I've been very very happy with them, and I paired mine with the um, uh, the uh, soft seal gel ear cups um, that are also available from Ready Up Gear. Uh, just upgrades those to, I mean, they they feel like they're really really high end ear pro at that point. You know, like two or three hundred dollar ear pro with those uh, soft seal gel, gel cups on them. So. Super, super cool. Uh guys, go get signed up for our weekly prize giveaway at concealed carry.com forward slash podcast prize. And with that, we're gonna let you go. A reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.